You finally decided to learn how to ice skate, so you ordered the essentials every aspiring ice skater needs. A nice pair of blades, a shiny new helmet, and a good set of knee pads. And you used your Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which you put those rewards towards an essential piece of post-skating recovery, a heating pad. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golver with The Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina. Michael, it's been a tough week as we discussed earlier, but if you want to call it a you know a, a ray of sunshine here, uh, we've got one. Uh, early Wednesday morning, uh, as we record this, the NBA's proposal has started to come to uh, the light. Uh, and it looks like the NBA will be inviting 22 teams to that single-site campus uh, in Orlando. It'll be the Washington Wizards will be the extra team in the East. You're going to get five extra teams in the Western Conference, including, uh, well, let's just call them Zion Williamson and the rest of the New, or- New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> uh, Damian Lillard and the rest of the Portland Trailblazers, and a few others. Now, this 22-team format's going to incorporate kind of a quote-unquote regular season warm-up period of eight games. Um, after that time period, uh, the first seven seeds of both conferences will be set. If the eighth seed has a four-game lead, they will be set. If not, if there's a team that's closer than that, there will be a little bit of a play-in atmosphere between the eighth and ninth seed. Um, in that scenario, um, the ninth seed would need to beat the eighth seed twice in a row to claim its playoff spot. Uh, if the eight seed won one of those two games, they would advance uh, into the playoffs, and the rest of the playoff bracket would sort of proceed normally from there. No, you know, cross conference seeding, no one to sixteen, no picking your opponents, any of those other things that we discussed. Uh, it would sort of be a standard playoff bracket going forward from that moment. Michael, uh, we've debated these things left, right, and center over the course of the last couple of months. Uh, what do you think about where the NBA has landed here? This was a little predictable. We kind of got a sense from just reading tea leaves that there was going to be more than the 16 playoff teams involved. Uh, We've talked about this for, it feels like, eternity, but my personal stance hasn't changed, really. I think that they should be just 16 teams, and I am a little... uh, It's a little frustrating, too, when you, you know, I understand the need to ramp up, and, you know, they're kind of the, the, the rationale for this is basically that, you know, they need some regular season games for financial purposes, but also to get players in game shape so that the product is not atrocious and you don't just jump into the postseason. So I understand that, but it is just a little, it's kind of just, uh, well, it is very hypocritical in my opinion and uh that's frustrating on one hand and then on the other i'm excited that basketball is coming back (laughs) so hypocritical hypocritical you mean uh from the safety side correct yeah i mean if you're saying that that's the priority and then having 22 teams and you're playing i think what is it eight games beforehand everyone's gonna play eight regular season games i think i read that's just it seems unnecessary to me um uh, I don't understand why you can't have you know a training camp atmosphere to get players in in as close to game shape as possible and in as close to a game rhythm as possible. But 
yeah, so it's 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 frustrating, um, and at the same time, there's a small sigh of relief somewhere inside the deep recesses of my body because the NBA is coming back soon. Yeah, I mean, at least they've put something on paper. They've got a timeline. I think the goal is they're going to try to start the games on July 31st. You're mentioning all these regular season games. That's, of course, going to delay and extend the length of the entire proposed uh, you know, mm-hmm. resumption of play. So now we're looking at games going all the way into October. And then you know, next season, you know, who knows if you're starting that thing in December, that's kind of a crunched and, and uh, you know, modified time period there. But maybe you could make it up during the regular season because you don't have the need uh, necessarily uh, for travel a- along the way. Michael, it's uh, it's a little bit complicated. I mean, I think they're trying to finesse a few things. I mean, clearly they're giving guys like Zion and Damian like every opportunity to get themselves into the playoffs, right? I think if I was the eighth seeds, uh, Memphis and Orlando, I would be a little bit frustrated by the lengths with which the NBA has gone here. But they did build in some real protections, right? I mean, uh, you know, both of those teams have edges currently on the eighth seed. If they're able to extend those leads, um, then they have nothing to worry about. If not, they've just got to win one out of two games um, to advance to the playoffs. So you do have a little bit of an initial spark. Um, you know, we can imagine the excitement that would be going on if Zion's able to lead the Pelicans to that ninth seed and you get two head-to-head matchups against uh, John Moran and the Grizzlies. I think people would really watch that. Um you know, but at the same time, uh, you're adding uh, layers of risk, as we've described previously. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a real trade off there. And it's clear the NBA, I mean, I think we should just say it directly. They're prioritizing money here in television ratings, no question about it. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's really no other way to look at it um, than that. But I also think we've, uh, we've banged on that door uh, a few times here, so we don't need to belabor the point. Did you have any other takeaways um, from this proposal, Michael? Things that you think people should keep an eye on? Um, you know, underrated winners and losers. I mean, I feel like the contenders come out of this totally happy, right? I mean, you know, what are you going to complain about? Um, you get the ramp up period. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, any weirdness or, or a break from norms on the actual playoffs. You know, your, your life is pretty much normal. And we also have a bunch of teams in that second tier of the NBA, you know, the, the three, four, five, six range, especially in the Western Conference, that was really tight. And I guess we get to, you know, answer those questions and, and settle those playoff matchups on the court, as opposed to just letting the coronavirus deal with it. I guess there's some positive to that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm just stupid, or maybe I just haven't kind of settled in with the the uh, parameters here, but I just Michael, don't even... impossible. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> come on. Be nice to yourself here, buddy. Come on. I knew, I knew you would stand up for me. Um, I just don't even understand the the, the, the parameters here. Like, I, I, I don't even really understand why they need to be so complicated. But I guess that that is what you're dealing with when you want to kind of force feed the 22 teams and get them in there like and and try to as you said keep an advantage for those teams that already should be in the playoffs uh so that's a little strange to me and then also uh you know i've been reading a little bit about how they're going to give different possibilities with how they're going to give uh, some semblance of a home court advantage to the better teams and the top seeds but i haven't really seen anything that in my opinion, makes that much of a difference. I mean, one of the proposals that I saw or one of the possibilities was flying in uh, or either the home court 
literal home court from uh, the arenas around the country into Orlando so that there was like a feel of playing, let's say like you're in the Boston Garden and flying in the parquet for, to, to Orlando and giving them that feel. I don't understand how that is. That just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. So... Uh, from that perspective, uh, I, I wish there was more, uh, more something more solid to give teams that worked really hard during the regular season to get their seeds the respect that they deserve. But I know that it's very difficult under these circumstances. Well, I mean, I'd actually be in favor of the whole court thing. First of all, it would look better on TV. <laughs> sure. uh, second of all, the comforts of home matter. I mean, even the little things, right? I, and I know it would be weird. I mean, look, we're relocating Boston Garden, you know, this... Uh, this majestic parquet floor to Disney World doesn't exactly inspire, you know, the feeling of like home and, and Beantown pride. But look, I think it makes a difference uh, just cognitively just in the back of your mind. I think it would uh, kind of change things. I do think that we reached a new low, though, of this entire process this week when ESPN reported some of the things that people wanted for home court advantage, like the higher seed team being awarded the first possession of the second, third and fourth quarter. Um, the higher seeded team being allowed to designate one player to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six. <laughs> that the is high- ridiculous, by the way. The, so higher ridiculous. Se- the higher seeded team receiving an extra coach's challenge, um, you know, the, and also just maybe having better preferential uh, hotel accommodations, uh, you know, at the site. I mean, Michael, why don't we just play six on five? Should we let the Lakers have six guys on the court? Or maybe do we force um, the eight seed to only play with four guys? I mean, can we really stack the deck a little bit more for the favorites? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, but like, why why expand the asterisk here? I mean, it's already going to be a very unusual uh, circumstance where, uh, you know, obviously there's never been anything like this before, but to just tinker too much and to try to give these artificial advantages that the team, I mean, like when the season began, no one signed up for any of that. So it's just, it's really weird. And if the point is to make money, then the point is to make money. If the point is to crown a champion, then I don't really know if this is the best way to do that. Yeah, I hear you. I don't think that these are going to wind up being all that radical because, first of all, it's possible that there's the four-game lead in, in each conference and then the playing thing doesn't even happen. Now it's just like, well, you had a little bit of a resumption of a regular season and you go forward. If you do have the play-in mm-hmm. game, at most it's two games. I think you know people are somewhat familiar with that kind of an idea in baseball. So it's not like they just invented some new like you know competition matrix that they're trying to drop into the middle of uh, this coronavirus pandemic. And I think ultimately uh, we're only really going to remember that aspect of it uh, if one of the nine seeds winds up unseeding the eight seed. And we're going to remember it because we're going to feel bad for the eight seed, right? Like as long as the eight seeds wind up advancing, I think that we're, this is all going to be water under the bridge pretty quickly, like after the fact. I think a big part of, of the discussion here is that's skewing is that we've just had nothing else to go uh, to talk about and just dwell on these little minor format bracket details where, um, you know, they're getting way too much, uh, you know, attention in, in the grand scheme of things. Because as we know throughout history, I mean, eight seeds rarely make a difference in the uh, in the NBA playoffs. I mean, once or once or twice they're able to go on a run and, and there's been some memorable moments. But I don't think that we're going to see a Dikembe Mutombo clutching the basketball, crying 
uh, that type of moment in an empty, <laughs> sterile gym with no fans in Orlando. I just kind of promised that one right off the top. All right. So, Michael, I think we've covered this thing, uh, you know, pretty in detail. I'm sure we can double back next week um, to dig in more. But I don't know about you, man. Um, I'm ready for something lighter. Uh, and that something lighter would be an all quarantine team draft. What do you think? I cannot wait. I'm very excited for this. So I always get worried when I propose these sort of, uh, you know, these mental journeys, because I know even though you're having this nice time with your in-laws and everything else, I just picture you over there sharpening your number two pencils (laughs) and just going to absolute town on basketball reference to kind of put together your roster and your composition and everything else. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to explain it as quickly and easily as possible, hopefully uh, quicker and easier than the NBA's playoff bracket. How's that sound, Michael? Um, You are going to pick a team. I'm going to pick a team. We're each going to pick eight players. Now, we're picking this team based on who we think is going to be the top performers in this NBA quarantine environment where you have uh, no crowds, you know, no real home court advantage, where you've got referees um, who are going to probably be in just different conditions making their types of calls. We're also picking these players based on their work habits, potentially. What have they been up to for the last couple of months? Have they stayed in shape? Uh, you know, are, do they have access to equipment? I mean, all those kinds of things are fair game. We're trying to, you know, basically make uh, the best eight-man team for these new and unique quarantine conditions. So this isn't just your typical all-star uh, team. This isn't your typical NBA playoffs team. This is the quarantine team. Now, Michael, I'm going to give you the first pick um, in the quarantine draft. And from there, I'm going to get the second and third pick. You'll get the fourth and fifth pick uh, and so on. At the end of it, we're going to have uh, eight players each. And we're going to let the open floor globe out there weigh in by email or Instagram, Twitter, however they want to weigh in to tell us who has the better team, who's more likely to emerge as the champion of Disney World, you know, the highest possible title you could ever um, accomplish. So, Michael, did I leave anything out? Does does that all make sense? And um, are you ready to make your first pick? I was born ready for this exercise, Ben. I'm ready when you are. Amazing. All right. Well, first of all, before we do the picks, I need to know your team name uh, and your city that you are repping. I'm pretty proud of mine, to be honest, but go ahead. You go first. So, I know that we want to keep this as light as possible, but I couldn't help but keep uh, everything that's happening in the in the country right now in my mind when I decided to pick my city and my team name for this exercise. So, I'm going with the Louisville greatest after Ooh. Muhammad Ali. Oh, I love it, Michael. And so you know, you're Louisville- d- dancing like butterflies, stinging like bees. Two of my favorite, <laughs> sure. two of my favorite animals, by the way, to... Uh, to you know track on my instagram stories throughout this quarantine period i've had a lot of time chasing butterflies and bees but that's a digression yeah i thought about you when i came up with it i um, love it well you got a good mascots you know you can they'll fit right in at disney world too r- right exactly so obviously on a quick more serious note, you know, Louisville is a city in mourning right now from the murder of Breonna Taylor to the murder of David McAtee. There's a lot of grief, a lot of anger. Uh, you know, these feelings don't go away. And so I just think that it would be awesome if the NBA, when it expands, if it expands, gives Louisville a team because, you know, the NBA is able to, if the NBA was there, it's, you know, they're able to establish outreach programs. 
They're able to uh, prop up uh, people in positions of leadership, black men, young black men in positions of leadership that are currently not there. And, you know, Kentucky obviously has an intense love for basketball going back to the ABA's Kentucky Colonels, which won it all in 1975. And, you know, the University of Kentucky, the University of Louisville, etc. So there's a lot of history there. I think it would be awesome if uh, if Louisville uh, had a team. And in this exercise, I am giving them one. Well, you brought it way stronger than our last draft when you were the Seattle Supersonics, Michael. So I'm so <laughs> proud of you. That's awesome. I'm just going to give a quick shout out. One of my colleagues at the Washington Post is named Ava Wallace, and she's done a lot of uh, great WNBA coverage. And they've actually had her stationed in Louisville for the last couple of weeks, even before um, you know the most recent protests there. And she's just been doing unbelievable on the ground reporting. So you guys, if you get a chance out there, if you're a real diehard Open Floor Globe member, Give her a follow on Twitter. Give her a little shout. Make sure you're checking out her coverage from the ground because it's been remarkable. Michael, I think I've got a team name and city to rival your team name and city. What do you think? Okay, let's hear it. The Vancouver Vaccines, okay? You're going for, (laughs) um, obviously, you know, you're going for the social justice route and I'm going for the health and safety initiative route. I was, I've been thinking for the last couple of days, like, what I would do for a vaccine, like right now, like if I had a vaccine, how much life my, uh, how much better my life would be. It's very difficult to quantify. It's a little bit scary how much I'd be willing to pay for it. And obviously, there's probably going to be drug companies coming down the road at some point, willing to charge me exactly that amount uh, and not one dollar cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we can still look towards the vaccine as our ray of hope, much like basketball returning could maybe be a ray of hope in some degree. Of course, I had to go with Vancouver, uh, similar to your reasoning, a uh, great market that at one point had a team, um, now doesn't, but should be in the mix potentially for NBA expansion. Um, great people, lots of fun, uh, things to do, you know, a lot of tea houses in Vancouver. You know, I'm a big tea drinker, Michael. Um, not sure that really weighed too much. I, obviously, I was just going for the alliteration, but nevertheless, it is the <laughs> Louisville greatest versus the Vancouver Vaccines in the all-quarantine tournament. I love it. I'm so excited already. Give me your first pick. So my first pick is Kawhi Leonard. And wow. Shocking first pick. Actually, yeah. you love Kawhi, so maybe Stun- I shouldn't be shocked. Stunning. But, no, I mean, uh, he's. He, he, let me just outline why. I mean, he is the best basketball player in a playoff format in the world, in my opinion, I think you do not need to worry about his conditioning. You do not need to worry about uh, his ability to adapt on the road. You know, this season, his numbers on the road were, you know, he shot 60% true shooting percentage. He's just an absolute cyborg of a human being. Uh, I think with no load management, which won't be the case here, he'll be even better than he is during the regular season. And it was just kind of a no-brainer for me. And when we talk about, real quick, you know, personality and leadership qualities, as you'll see as we go through the draft, I'm going to be picking people who can kind of fill that void that Kawhi does not have, so that not too much is on his shoulders in that department. And, I mean, I think you'll be seeing a through line and a a lot of consistencies with how I pick this team. But Kawhi, just in terms of getting someone who's super talented, can take over at the end of games, isn't going to be really affected by the strangeness of everything that's happening around him. It was was an obvious choice for me. 
Uh, it's a fascinating choice, Michael. Don't get ahead of yourself thinking you're just going to get all the guys on your list that you want. You there's two oh, people. I will. There's two people <laughs> drafting here. All right, you know, forget about your through lines, Michael. Here I come to uh, to mess them up. It's a great pick. Here's why I would would uh, agree with it. If you're just saying like which guys five on five in an empty gym, do you like if you're just going to play pickup, right? And this is basically like the pickup playoffs if you want to look at it that way. Um, is there anybody who you would really want over Kawhi just, you know, to play standard five on five pickup for the next couple hours? It's really hard to make an argument against it. I mean, I think the best counter uh, would be LeBron actually over Giannis, um, I think in part. Mm-hmm. Um, with Giannis, we know it's not that he's a system player, but we know that specific conditions really help him uh, completely unlock his game. Um, and, you know, if you're just saying like you're thrown in with a, a random group of teammates, who's going to be the most adaptable to the guys around him? I think it's basically a two-man conversation, Kawhi or LeBron. You know, Kawhi's got him on the the youth factor. Um, you know, LeBron's obviously a better passer. I think Kawhi's, you know, still what he wants to be, uh, a, a far superior two-way player. Um, you know, Kawhi's got great shot creation ability. I think that really matters when you're sort of being thrown together in a crazy setup, right? Like we can imagine a lot of chunky basketball in this quarantine tournament and who's the guy who's going to bail you out, right? And I think, uh, you know, Kawhi has, has been that guy. And, and also if you're looking at a condensed schedule where maybe you're playing either back-to-backs or just every other night with, with a little bit less break than usual throughout a playoff series, um, I think uh, Kawhi gets a little bit of a nod. We saw some fatiguing from LeBron, um, you know, down the stretch of games uh, at various points this season. So I like your pick a lot. Um, I think that a lesser man would have just said LeBron. Uh, so <laughs> I think all these people who are coming at you about crying during your nasal swab test need to look at the guts you just showed, Michael, in, in taking Kawhi number one. Um, so I rigged this entire draft so that I could have LeBron and Giannis, and it worked out perfectly, Michael. So I'm feeling great. Um, pretty obvious second and third choices. I think with LeBron, the big advantage that he has is that, uh, I mean, you know, basically he's had every gym or piece of workout equipment or whatever else you want to get his body right uh, for this stretch. We've seen what quote-unquote playoff LeBron looks like. Uh, in in the fairly recent past and not too distant past uh, and it's been sensational I mean look no further than you know 50 plus points against the uh, the Warriors in the finals I think he has got the ability to understand his teammates and opponent tendencies at a very high level um, you know he's he's won everywhere the idea of Homer Road is, doesn't really apply to him I, I don't think either um, you know you're looking at uh, somebody who has just you know comfortable in any environment i mean he's won with multiple teams uh you know the title in miami uh, in in cleveland obviously he's won with lots of different teammates it seems like a rotating cast uh, no matter what i just think he's the type of guy where um you know you you throw him in a gym you know you take off the blindfold and say you know go for it and and he's going to be just great with Giannis, it's mostly the idea that if i have lebron i can't let you have Kawhi and Giannis. I'm toast in that scenario. So um, that's uh, that's why I take Giannis. Of course, MVP level production. I think that you could potentially run a crazy two man game with LeBron and Giannis if you're using uh, Giannis as the as the screen setter and the roll guy, the dive guy. Um, so lots of length, lots of athleticism. Uh, LeBron can stretch around Giannis, which is helpful. Um, and then just if you're trying to stop Kawhi. 
I would want both those guys. Uh, not that LeBron has had you know major success as like an individual defender. I think I got a lot of attention for how he, how well he played Giannis right before the shutdown. Um, but I think uh, you know having both of them to kind of toss on Kawhi would make me very comfortable. Um, so I think at this point we've just basically taken the three best players. There hasn't been a major deviation. Uh, my one concern with Giannis though is the uh, is the new baby factor, Michael. Um, our family's allowed at Disney World. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of quality time uh, with his family here over the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of adorable social media content going up, and that makes me a little bit nervous. You take Giannis away from Liam completely, and I worry if that winds up being an Achilles heel, which was a disgusting reference to Greek that uh, need not didn't need to be made. Okay, so Ben, I have some questions here. First of all, you lay out a perfect case why on the court, this makes a ton of sense. These are two of the three best players in the world. I don't think anyone would argue with that. So off the court, I think you could run into some problems, right? Because LeBron and Giannis are obviously the two kind of alphas on their team. They're the leaders. They want the last shot. They deserve the last shot. I wonder if you were to hole up these guys in a hotel for three months, what kind of chemistry issues could burble to the surface? What do you well, think about the thing. that? They're not going to talk to each other. Okay, it's going to be a it's going to be well, a silent. Well, that's, yeah, great chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a silent relationship. There's no question. But here's the deal. Remember when the Bulls took on Rodman in 96 and they hated him from the Bad Boys Pistons? Sure. Jordan and Pippen understood what kind of a difference maker, um, you know, Rodman could be for their their outlook. Yes, I, that's yeah. what I see for LeBron. You know, you know why they love Dennis Rodman coming in though, because they knew he was going to average four shots a game. So I, I just think there could be some trouble here. I mean, can you imagine a, a scenario where Giannis plays terribly and LeBron has like a triple double or whatever, and maybe they lose by a couple points and. You know, for the next two days or three days, everyone's looking at Twitter saying, hey, LeBron's carrying his weight. Where's Giannis? And Giannis gets upset and then starts to pout. I could totally see that that scenario happening. I can also see a scenario where the Vancouver vaccines sweep you out of the playoffs with LeBron and Giannis. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) How about that, Michael? Um, No, it's fair. There's no doubt. Look, you don't know how the, I mean, usually the superstar guys, they're picking their their sidekicks, right? I mean, LeBron and Dwayne Weed probably had a, a month long, uh, you know, courtship and discussion. How is this thing going to play out? You know, LeBron kind of plucked Anthony Davis, and it wasn't like, hey, Anthony Davis, you're going to be the number one guy. It's like you're going to be the greatest number two guy in the league, right? I mean, that was sort of the conversation there. Um, having two alphas for sure. There's a lot of look. This isn't going to be. Uh, you know, a long-lasting partnership. I'm trying to make it through three months uh, in Disney World. I'm not trying to make it through five years like a Kobe Shaq type phenomenon. And I'm comfortable that these guys are so competitive, they're going to be able to team up, channel their forces for good, take down the Louisville greatest, call them the second greatest after we're done with them. And uh, <laughs> and I think we'll be in good shape. Um, but your, your points are duly noted. Who is your second pick? Because now you've got some matchup issues, Michael. Now you're going to have to figure something out. Who's your, who is... Uh, I guess we're going to call this the fourth pick of the draft and then the fifth pick of the draft. Wait, so before we move on, Ben, I just want to say one more thing. And it's basically that uh, LeBron was, when I first began this exercise, LeBron was my first pick because I love everything about his game. I think he's a wonderful leader, yada, yada, yada. And then 
I'm nitpicking here, but I was reading this wonderful article on The Ringer by Rob Mahoney, and it has this quote from LeBron uh, from an appearance he made on the Road Trip and Podcast recently where he says, what is the word sport without fan? There's no excitement, there's no crying, there's no joy, there's no back and forth. That's what also brings out the competitive side of the players, to know that you're going on the road in a hostile environment, and yes, you're playing against that opponent in front of you, but you really want to kick the fan's ass too. So no, no, let me stop you right there. Kawhi's robot factor is a big advantage. I'm granting it's huge. that. Yeah. Don't you think though that Giannis has the that killer mentality where again, I mean, he's working his way up from like third division gyms in Greece. Okay. I'm guessing that that's gonna be pretty similar to Orlando. <laughs> like this, you know, the amount of fans. Like I think there's just like a a cutting teeth aspect to Giannis's rise that's going to make him very well suited for this environment and I think that he will gladly snarl in Kawhi's face after dunking on him no problem like it doesn't matter if there's fans there or not I think he's just kind of wired like that LeBron though I hear you he definitely plays the crowd doesn't he yeah, he does. Uh, and also, I know I'm dragging on along about this, but these are like the best players in the world. And so I feel like they deserve more conversation. But I, I wonder, like Giannis already gets just left wide alone when he's behind the three point line. And he usually takes a rhythm dribble to try to get himself comfortable. And it just it looks really awkward. And he usually misses the shot. Could you imagine him in an empty gym when he's standing out there behind the three point line? Just no noise or anything. He's just a man on an island. Like, how many air balls is he going to shoot? For like, And he's he's airballing hey, shots from the Michael, free throw line. Come on. Well, first of all, don't you think that generally it's easier to make shots in an empty gym than a full gym? Especially not needing to deal with a road crowd or like... Just the ex, like even at the home crowd, I feel like the Bucks fans want the shots to go in so badly that it actually adds to the anxiety. I think it's going to be a benefit for Giannis, not a subtraction. Right, you could argue both ways. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not going to say that Ben Simmons is turning into Kyle Korver. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go that route. But I do think that like if you tried to put together a mixtape of Ben Simmons shooting in five on five summer drills versus his shooting mixtape from last season. The five-on-five drills one is going to be a lot more impressive and, uh, you know, smoother looks. And I I just think, um, look, there's that collective anxiety and expectation that kind of chews these guys up, especially when you know he's just channeling all of his mental energy, Giannis is, and trying to add that weapon to his his toolbox. So uh, I think that your most compelling argument of all was the idea that uh, LeBron doesn't have the crowd to play to. I think that's uh, by far mm-hmm. the the biggest weakness because, I mean, you see it. He just treats it like he's an entertainer on the court at Staples Center all the time. Like, you know, he'll be talking to celebrities courtside. He'll be throwing no-look passes and kind of like, yep. you know, glancing up at people saying, hey, basically, I did that one for you or you're checking me out. I mean, he's obviously going to know exactly where the cameras are placed. I could tell you that. No one's going to have a better understanding of the production set than LeBron will. um, And hopefully it translates. But, you know, bottom line, um, I'm still feeling pretty comfortable. After the trip, I drove my van back with all my equipment. I could hear a little bit of whimpering and crying. When Eldon Kidd, a father of five running rafting tours through Mexico found two Guatemalan girls stowed away in the back of his tour van one night, it changed his life forever. They pleaded with me, can you bring us to the border? I agreed. And I thought, can I do this again somehow? From the team behind American Skyjacker comes an epic new crime series, American Coyote. 
being a coyote is a dangerous and illegal business. You have to be prepared for the worst. The unbelievable tale of a legendary coyote named Eldon Kidd. American Coyote. Listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. You decided it was time to upgrade your outdoor deck. So you got all the essentials to do it. You ordered a power washer, a set of patio chairs, and a shiny new grill. And you used your Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping and up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member, which you put towards your most essential deck addition, a bird feeder. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. All right, Michael, it's time for your fourth pick. And I guess I should clarify, uh, we're only selecting from guys who are going to be in the 22-team tournament bubble, obviously, and we're only selecting healthy guys. So, Michael, if you're thinking about trying to wheel Kevin Durant out there on a wheelchair to keep up with Giannis and LeBron, don't even think about it, all right? Real picks only. Who you got? (laughs) So this will come as absolutely no surprise to everyone who's been listening to this podcast since I became your co-host. Oh, my God. Are you really going to do it? Uh, So... I have I have great rationale for why I'm gonna pick James Harden here. Uh, oh, I thought you were going Tatum, man! Wow, you scared the crap oh, out of me. <laughs> no, I'm not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, with the fourth pick, Celtics hype no. has never been higher. Okay, James Harden, no. let's hear it. No, so I was thinking a lot about just being in an empty gym and the sounds that will be available to television audiences and most importantly how the refs kind of see the game and are able to hear the game and so when I think about what James Harden will look like in this type of environment you'll be able to hear the slaps when he reaches low with the ball and defenders try to swipe it away from him and he's going to embellish with cries and I just feel like he's going to average like 15 free throws a game so I, I love having him on my team for that reason. I know that he's been working out because The Athletic did a really good job documenting what he's been up to physically. And look, his game is methodical. It's not reliant on crowd noise. It's not reliant on adrenaline. He's just dribbling the ball, you know, 15 times, taking step back threes. He knows what he wants to do before uh, he does it. He has you at his whim at all times. And so if it's a thinking man's game and it's not based on crowd reaction or anything like that, I just think Harden gets even better from the player that he already is. So I he is the hardest guy for me to decide where I wanted to put him on my board in the entire league because mm-hmm. I kept going back and forth. It's a great argument. I think the natural counter would be if you don't have the crowd revving up the referees, and if the referees are able to kind of concentrate without any distractions, they may fall for some of his tricks less often, or they may feel less peer pressure from the out, you know the outside environment to give him, say, the follow through three free throws when he gets maybe you know nicked on a uh, on a three point attempt when he's like bailing out to the ground like we saw during that Golden State series kind of regularly. Um, that's that that's one concern on that side. In terms of the playing side, I 
on the conditioning part, I see pros and cons too. Because this guy, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him. It really does look like he's lost 15 or 20 pounds during the quarantine, which as somebody who has also tried to lose that much weight during the quarantine period, I am very excited about. And I just, I love to see that level of dedication. What I'm concerned about though is, is he going to compromise some of his physicality? Is there going to be one of those things where we're reading and like, mid-July, like, Harden regrets going vegan, right? <laughs> like, is there going to be one of those things <laughs> where it's like, wait a minute, like, where did the, the force of the power on the ball, we don't see that barrel chest quite the same like we used to. Um, are you are you bullish or bearish on Harden's body based on the pictures we've seen coming out of, uh, I think his workouts have been in Arizona. Right, I'm bullish, but I, what I love about this exercise, Ben, is that you can counter any point that I make with like a complete 180 point oh, yeah. of view, and it's well, completely <laughs> sensical because no one knows what's happening. No, Michael, this is utter nonsense. That's the great part about this exercise. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, you're feeling pretty good though. You got Harden. Who are you going to compliment Harden and Kawhi with? Who's your th- Who's your big three? Okay, so I'm. Um, this is a. a this is. A very strange choice, I think, to a lot of people. And I went away from talent here. I'm wow. going I'm going with he's a very talented player, all star caliber, but I'm going with Jimmy Butler. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, are Here's you going are you going for sort of a, a stylistic thing where you want interchangeable players or what are you going for? There's that a little bit. I mean I love his two way versatility for sure, but I'm really prioritizing guys who I just know for a fact that they are going to be in incredible shape. I know for a fact that he's been waking up at five o'clock in the morning. I know for a fact that he's been super stressed about his diet and parsing every single thing that gets put into his body. I know the preparation is there. So when it's, I guess, like October or whatever, when my team, the Louisville Greatest, are in the championship, I know he's going to be in tip-top condition and he's not going to be... Uh, exhausted after 40 plus minutes on the court down in Orlando. Michael, so, do you know who you are? You're who Jim Boylan wants to be, okay? <laughs> you're, you're, you're setting such a culture here with your workers of Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler and James Harden, these guys who are ready to rock. I love it. Yeah, and so just now I'm going to go a little bit into the numbers. And one of the stats that popped out to me that I think, again, can serve to benefit in an environment where referees are held accountable because the television audience is going to hear every single thing that's happening on the floor. Um, I mean, this guy had the highest free throw rate in the NBA on the road among all players who appeared in at least 20 games this season. He's just a dog when it comes to attacking the basket, and he's a great free throw shooter, always has been, really good at drawing fouls. So if I can just kind of slow games down grind games out with Harden and Butler, I feel really confident about just what my team's identity is and what we look like and how we play. And the thing about Jimmy Butler is, like, he has an ego for sure. He's one of the best players in the world, one of the 12 best players in the world, I would say. But he doesn't need the ball to be successful. He doesn't necessarily want the ball. He cares about winning. I'm not worried about him disrupting the team in the hotels for three months or him being unhappy with teammates because... Uh, everyone else on my team, on my team, just like a little quick spoiler, I'm not going young with anybody in this draft. And 
This is a sprint to the finish line. It's not a multi-year marathon, as you said, referring to the Shaq and Kobe situation and the possibility of drama burbling to the surface. So I love Jimmy on this team. I love him with Kawhi as a as a two-way tandem. And I love him with Harden as just two guys who can get to the free throw line anytime they want. So I'll be honest, I did not see this pick coming at all. I'm drastically um, <laughs> like using whiteout on my draft board, Michael, to kind of consider my counter strategies. I mean, first of all, with the Butler pick, I mean, you're, you're trying to raise all these uh, chemistry concerns with my guys. How confident are you that Butler is going to be able to get a, uh, along with a guy like Harden? I don't really see any clashes, say, with Kawhi, uh, but there's only one basketball Two very stubborn guys, two guys with history of not necessarily always getting along with their, you know, major star teammates. Is that a natural source of tension? Is something going to blow up in a game? Are we going to see Jimmy storming out of a gym and and Harden going straight to a, a makeshift podium and trying to trade Jimmy to the Vancouver Vaccines for like my 14th best player? I mean, is there any <laughs> is there any blow up potential here? I don't think so. I mean, the criticisms that I had for LeBron and Giannis are very particular just because those guys are at the top of the top of the heap. But with Jimmy, all of his dust-ups in the past have been with players who either just are not trying to work as hard as him or are paid more than he is for reasons that he disagrees with and that make no sense. And th- that's just not going to happen here. The respect level is through the roof. Harden's a MVP. Uh, Kawhi's resume speaks for itself. Multiple time Finals MVP. So no, I'm not. I'm not worried about any of that. I think he respects players who even he would concede are probably more impactful than he is on a day in day out basis. Man, so um, here's my choices. This is turning into a real like wing on wing fight, right? I mean, if you're looking at like kind of positionally where we're drafting. So I could potentially just try to clear the board of the other remaining wings, which I think the probably the next two on the list would be Paul George and Jason Tatum. And at that point, I think I would have ideal matchups for your guys, and it could just be checkmate. However, the point that you made about the experience factor was an excellent one, Michael. I do think that you don't want any ramp up. You don't want any younger players. You only want I think among your main core guys who are your starters in this format you really want guys who know exactly who they are what they've done and sort of have been there before uh, and, and kind of you know understand their uh, you know strengths and weaknesses and so forth uh, so from that standpoint I'm going to be taking two vets two guys um, with you know fairly long playoff resumes uh, neither one of them has won a title but I'm going to take Paul George and Damian Lillard now, hear me out. With Paul George, the idea basically is if I've got a matchup with Kawhi and Harden, that's the guy. Um, now I can cycle LeBron, Giannis, um, and Paul George uh, on your main stars. You're never going to stop or slow those guys. You're never going to stop those guys. Hopefully, you're slowing them down. With Lillard, I just need space, and, and Paul George provides that as well. I mean, if I'm going to be using Giannis regularly, I basically need to have shooters at, at pretty much all the other positions defensively he's a little bit weak but the big shot making the excitement factor look the bottom line is 
the Lakers fans in real life are going to be looking at this Vancouver vaccines roster and just thirsting <laughs> and, and just trying to like concoct scenarios where they can bring all these guys to LA as soon as possible. And I think the buzz factor there is important as well. You know, I want to bring a team that everyone wants to root for and cheer for. I kind of want to be the people's favorite here a little bit. Um, you add all of that up. I think it's worth taking on the, the potential uh, risk factor of, uh, you know, Lillard's, you know, average or, or or whatever you want to call it on the defensive end. I'm liking my team. I'm feeling like I've got good spacing. Um, yeah, I'm in. I, I, I like my swagger. I, I can imagine the vaccines jerseys, you know, being the best-selling jerseys, you know, easily outpacing the Louisville greatest, you know, unless you're bringing in the Miami Vice colorway uh, along with Jimmy Michael. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm winning at the, uh, at the merchandise stand. So uh, those are my picks. What do you think? No, yeah, be proud of selling a lot of merchandise and going home in four games. That's cool. Um, oh, I know. I, no, I, Michael. This I, first of all, we're going at least six with this matchup right now. I'm telling sure. you right now. I don't think you've done the greatest job picking personally, but we're going at least six. Shots fired, man. Shots fired. I, I, Paul George is. That's an interesting one. I mean, he just, I guess, persona wise, would fit. We've seen him be the 1B to a 1A, um, in the case with Russell Westbrook, just a really dominant on-court and off-court personality that he Michael, seemed to... he's going to be the greatest fourth option in NBA history. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's true. It's good. I, I like it. I, I like Dame. Uh, Dame was... He was in my uh, in my pool here. Of course, I love his 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 leadership and just everything that he's about. I know that he's been preparing. I know his body's in shape. I know he's a pro's pro. So hey, I don't have I, to worry can, about him. Yeah. Yeah. Can I explain that pick a little bit too? Part of what I was thinking with taking him over a guy like Tatum. I think Tatum helps with the matchups, but with Damian, I'm looking at the point guard crop that's available. Uh, from these teams. So obviously we don't have Steph Curry because the Warriors are out, right? Um, you've already taken Harden. I'm never in a million years. We could go 50 rounds. I'm not taking Westbrook or Kyrie Irving, right? So I just got into a situation where it's like, okay, if my my top picks here potentially from a point guard standpoint are Lillard or Chris Paul, um, I think that Lillard is just a slightly better fit uh, with my other players from a personality standpoint and the, and the deep shooting standpoint. Um, because spacing is going to be at such a priority around Giannis, so that's that's where I went uh, uh, that direction. Fair. Um, am I up? Can I go? It's your picks. Yeah, you've uh, you're on the clock. <laughs> okay, so my pick here. I understand. You know, as someone who's really prioritizing chemistry, that this just kind of deflates a lot of what I said earlier but I'm going with a point guard who is old but in shape vintage Uh all-star this season he might not have you know the best track record off the floor with another player on my team already but they had a lot of success together and I think that if you were to you know throw in the desperation factor and the up for grabs nature of what Orlando is going to be that they would be able to let bygones be bygones and and get along it's a reunion tour it's a Rockets reunion tour Michael (laughs) so I am going with Chris Paul here wow well you have to do it for a point I mean like look what are your other point guard options right I mean that's that's part of it here but you're banking on this being uh, it sounds like the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, maybe? 
Yeah, and I just think motivation is a big deal here. And when I tried to pick some of the other players on uh, for the other the, the other candidates for my team, a lot of it is just about people who have just such inward confidence and who would not be affected by an empty gym at all, and who know what they're worth and what they're able to do. And just Chris Paul, look, I think he will view this as an opportunity to sneak up and steal, uh, you know, a finals appearance that he otherwise would not have been able to have. This man wants a championship so badly, he will do whatever it takes. I love the idea of just having someone on my team who will, like, you will be able to hear his trash talk throughout the entire gymnasium. He will dominate the environment vocally. Yeah, go, go ahead. Could that backfire? If everyone is hearing what Chris Paul is saying to his teammates, is that the quickest way for your team to implode after game one? You know, if we're all getting to hear the lectures live in Dolby surround sound from the uh, ESPN studios, is that the uh, the spark that blows this whole thing up? Well, so his teammates here are not Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams. And I mean, this is just the cream of the crop here. So he's, I think his, his, uh, his criticisms and everything that he's going to be shouting will be directed more towards the opposition more often than not. And so I'm not really worried about it. Maybe I'm wrong and this will backfire on me, like you said, but Dude, I think you, that he- you, you sound exactly like Daryl Morey, man. That's who you sound like. You're like, you know what? We're betting on three- talent. It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to be fine. Don't worry about it. And then three years later, look, that's the thing. You don't have to make it through two seasons. Chris Paul always gets the honeymoon year, right? The first year where he is, is always sensational. Houston, that happened. Um, and Oklahoma City this year, it happened. It's defensible, man. I, I see it. And the other thing is just, you know, he has a court at his home this whole time. I mean, his life has basically been phone calls with Michelle Roberts, side planks and pull up threes. So he's going to be ready to go. He's in tip top shape. He, you know, he cut down his diet. He became a vegan before the season began. He had one of the most surprising, pleasantly surprising seasons of any player in the whole league. I don't think he's going to want to let up and let the... Uh, season suspension impact him negatively. So I'm really, I'm really confident about having Chris Paul on my team. Here's another one of these like ridiculous counters that's completely subjective, Michael. I think he's going to be exhausted <laughs> from having to listen to all the players' association debates internally. Now, by the time he gets to Orlando, he's going to have aged five years. It's going to be like the presidency with Obama. Um, <laughs> same, same thing. Look, that is a heavy crown to wear during this time period for Chris Paul, and uh, I think it's going to backfire mercilessly. Uh, but I love how gutsy your your selections are. All right, who's your next pick? We're up to uh, pick number nine. Okay, so this is an interesting one, uh, and I think I'm going to get a lot of pushback here. But <laughs> oh boy, Michael, if I you haven't know, already. Michael, you've already said that about every single pick you've made. You know that you're just leaning into the troll aspect here. I think. No, I, I, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that these are the right. This is how it should go. But I know that people won't see it that way, and that's fine. Um, I'm going once again with prioritizing a veteran, someone who just is not altered by uh, outside noise, and someone who I think that an underrated factor here is just people who are self-motivated and who are going to make the types of plays that get their teammates energized and who don't feed off crowd noise to do so. 
And it's really difficult to kind of parse what that means. But in this case, I think PJ Tucker is a, wow. a perfect example. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm going I'm going with PJ. He is 35 years old. He's played in, this is another reason why I love PJ for this. He's played in half a dozen countries in different environments. He's not going to be weirded out by what's going on in Orlando at Michael, all. Michael, if you had given me $1,000 to like make a prediction, <laughs> I never would have ever been able to guess that you would take PJ Tucker, especially with Jason Tatum on the board, man. What are you doing right now? So Jason Tatum is wonderful. He's a 1A option, man. Like, I'm sorry. And he's also 22 years old. I don't know how he's going to respond. I love Jason Tatum, love his game, love everything about him. Uh, This is just a very peculiar circumstance. And so I want the guy who's been in the trenches in way more situations and have so much experience, uh, you know, playing in just every country you can think of in Europe. Uh, This guy has done it all. He's no nonsense. And what I also I like about him, because we're building actual basketball teams, not all-star teams, is he just has a hyper-specific role, and there's no deviation from it. It's like, get in the corner, knock down corner threes, just sacrifice your body on the boards, box out, get rebounds, guard whoever you have to guard, be as physical as you can, dive for loose balls. That's someone who you don't have to, hey, Jason Tatum, this is what we need from you tonight because you know, you're know you on the same team with Kawhi and Harden and CP. Like You're not, probably not going to get as many shots as you're used to. P.J. Tucker, you don't have to have that conversation. Hey, P.J. Tucker, be P.J. Tucker. Yeah, well, it's the same reason why like USA Basketball would want him um, you know, in that rotation going into the World Cup last year, and they probably would have done a lot better uh, had they had him and he didn't scratch there at the last minute. They needed guys like that. Well, they needed a lot of things, frankly. Um, Michael, I got to tell you, though, from a drafting standpoint, you could have had this guy with your eighth pick. You know what I mean? Like this could have been he was going to be available um, yeah, yeah, in the, in the, thing the is- final round. No, the thing is, you're not going to take anybody else who's on my my list here, so I'm not even worried about it. Wow, you are really going outside the board. I'm I'm very uh, uh, impressed and appreciative for your creativity. I guess I approach this a little bit more like the Dream Team guys. Not that I was just trying to get um, every single big star. I definitely was looking at fit for something like a you know Lillard over Chris Paul, but ultimately there's still so many high high level talents on the board. I'm feeling pretty confident about who I've got left available to me. But the big strategy now I've got to think about is how do I want to match up with a P.J. Tucker? Because he's really the first center that we've taken. And you've got guys like Jokic on the board. You've got guys like Embiid on the board. But I think your point here is that it's it's trickier to work them into a team context if they're not the star level player. Are you still getting the same benefit from them? And then are they versatile enough in, in other ways to kind of make things work? Um now I've really got some some difficult choices. Well, I think um, I'm going to continue prioritizing versatility, athleticism, um, and positional matchups with my next picks. And so I'm going to go big and long and athletic in the front court. I'm going to take Anthony Davis, and I'm going to take Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. Um those are my 10th and 11th picks. Now, I'm a little bit worried about the difference in uh, lower body weight between P.J. Tucker and both of my guys. I think there's going to be a lot of success uh, from P.J. Tucker in terms of getting underneath um, you know, my big guys, but I'm going with length. I'm, I think that Pascal has the ability to ramp back to uh, a supporting option. You know, I think he's done an incredible job this season in Toronto of taking on more burden 
But I don't need to live and die with Pascal experimenting with off the dribble three pointers in the playoffs. I think that he will, uh, you know, fit in quite nicely as a overqualified energy player. With Anthony Davis, um, I basically just don't want you to have him. Uh, that that's really what it boils down to. Um, I think that we know what the power of the pick and roll combo with LeBron is. If you're using him, LeBron, and Giannis at the same time, now we're really cooking in terms of offensive ceiling. I think he's also, from a personality standpoint, willing to defer. I don't foresee major chemistry chemistry questions there, although he's not going to be eating nearly as much as he does in L.A. Um, what do you think? Am I just loading up too much on stars, Michael? Do you think that I'm gonna I'm going to have a hard time keeping everybody happy? No, it's it's perfectly fine that you've taken uh, this strategy and gone down this road. I think that there will be big problems when uh, LeBron, AD, and Giannis are on the floor in crunch time together, and LeBron's only passing to AD, and Giannis is like, "What the hell's going on, man?" I think you've just kind of you're digging yourself into a hole there, and well, everyone Michael, on my team knows their lane, and so I, I think there could no, be problems. Ahead well, here's for you. the thing: you're assuming that we're even going to get to crunch time. Okay, this these games could be over halfway through the third quarter. Um, You're up on the clock here for picks 12 and 13. Uh, Who are you looking at? Okay. Okay. I have a big pool of players who I just kind of see as equal, and I had a really difficult time uh, kind of separating them out here. So I'm going to first, before I dive into that subgroup that I have, I'm Just going with another, no, another. No spoilers. Are you going to take Patrick Beverly next? I'm not taking Patrick Beverly next. <laughs> okay, no. I was just saying, like how how many degrees of like former Rockets players are we going to go here? No, I, I I again am valuing professionalism. I'm valuing guys who can just lock in for three months and not be bothered by anything that's going on, and guys who I know can perform in very odd environments uh, or volatile environments. So I'm going with uh, J.J. Redick. And <laughs> wow. Yes. So, Michael, he chokes every year in the playoffs. What are you thinking? Okay, so he first of all, he will not be in my starting lineup. Second of all, of the 70 players who attempted at least 153s on the road this season, he was the third most accurate at 44%. He is a veteran. He is over 34 years old, I believe, 35 maybe. He just won't get tired running around. And he knows his role again. I love guys, like in this exercise, I love picking just the best of the best, the cream of the crop in particular roles that are important to win and to give my team some flexibility. And if you have to worry about J.J. Redick for even just, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a night, even less than that, have him on the court for an end of quarter situation, an ATO, something like that. He's just invaluable in that situation. I understand the drawbacks on the defensive end and everything like that. And I understand there's a, you know, there's a lot more talented players around the league than JJ Redick. Uh, but I just, I like him for the purpose of what we're doing here and what he kind of brings to the team in terms of spacing. Um, again, I mean, I are you, are you, are you, how, how speechless are you right no, now? By I, the way? This is just masterful work by you. I feel like you, so here's the thing. The first two times we did any competitions, you smoked me both times. I don't know if you remember when we did two truths and a lie and you just destroyed me, um, completely undressed me, uh, on air. <laughs> then, you know, the Seattle Sonics versus the San Diego, what was it? Pines or something like that. Um, 
I certainly felt like I held my own, but I think some of the listeners believe that you won. I really think I'm sweeping you at this point, Michael. I think that you've, you've, <laughs> over, you've over adjusted towards chemistry and you're going to be a bunch of lovable losers in Louisville. Sorry. I do not take these words kindly. And I, I think my team is, it's a real basketball team and you will have severe problems in your hotel room and that's fine. So I have, I'm up next well, right now, yeah. I believe. To be honest, they used to say what, like 12 guys, 12 cabs. That was the old thing. If like a team had mm-hmm. bad chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. Look, I've got 12 guys, 12 presidential suites. Okay. That's my <laughs> philosophy. Like, we're making sure we've got beautiful, you know, panoramic Vista views from all these hotel rooms for all of my superstar level guys. But I do appreciate you going all in with the strategy. So who's next? I, I just shudder to even think. So this player is more talented than the last two that I took for sure. He's a multi-time all-star, but he's, he's kind of the cream of the crop when it comes to this subgroup that I have here in front of me. And that is Chris Middleton. And the reason I'm picking, I thought I was going to be able to snag him because I've only got two picks left here, Michael. And I thought I was going to be able to sneak him out towards the end. Uh, Great pick. No, so I love just, like, I think this atmosphere is just an introvert's dream. Like, they are going to dominate in situations where they don't have to preen in front of crowds and worry about uh, all of the extracurricular stuff that goes into winning NBA basketball games. His game, just like Harden's, is very mechanical, very methodical. It's boring. (laughs) He lets his game do the talking for him. He can shoot from anywhere. He can defend multiple positions. So I just love having Chris Middleton on the team. I don't think he's going to disrupt anything that we have going on. And uh, yeah, so that's why I went with Chris. It's a great pick. Uh, It's causing me again to drastically reshape my board. I thought for sure he was going to be available. Um, I think that for you, it really helps because you've got a lot of wings to match up with, right? So if you're looking at guys like Paul George, or even Siakam, but then also, you know, the the big guys, LeBron and Giannis, you're just going to need more than only Kawhi and and Jimmy to deal with that rotation. So I think from a matchup standpoint, you definitely gave yourself a a major uh, boost there. I don't know how he would possibly struggle um, in Orlando, right? Like what's the counter argument against Chris Middleton playing well in a five on five setting where you don't have to, you know, do anything except for be boring. Like, I think that is this tailor made to his game. The entire <laughs> NBA environment could wind up, you know, be looking like a bunch of Chris Middleton's. It's funny, Michael, do you remember the lockout league, um, that took place in Las Vegas at impact, um, where basically they invited a bunch of NBA players and tried to charge like $5 for tickets to fans. And you could watch scrimmages, you know, five on five and, you know, a bunch of guys wound up going there, Jared Dudley and, you know, a few others. I wound up covering it. I mean, first of all, they sold basically no tickets. Nobody cared whatsoever. It was very fun to hear the trash talk like you were mentioning earlier. It was a great, like, basketball viewing experience. But also it just lacked all of the pomp and circumstance of the NBA, right? Like, these guys are basically playing shirts and skins and, like, you know, in some cases kind of, like, calling their own fouls a little bit. And just, you know, it was not a production whatsoever. That is the environment for Chris Middleton. I think that the uh, the Orlando quarantine is going to be a little bit better than that, hopefully, from a production standpoint. But I do think he's going to fit right in. Awesome pick. So here's the deal, Michael. Um, I'm at a crossroads. I can either make you know serious picks here to close out my roster and you know look towards chemistry and try to find a little bit of balance, or I can just get shameless, right? Or I can just kind of completely <laughs> go all in 
you know, chasing the dollars, uh, just like Adam Silver and the Board of Governors, um, you know, trying to sell <laughs> sell more sneakers and build more buzz around my team. And I'll be honest, I don't think that I can restrain myself because look, there's some oh, really geez. good players left, right? There's Joel Embiid, who would create massive matchup problems for your uh, team and, and be a great uh, defensive anchor. There's, Real quick, can, can yeah. I just, Joel Embiid is averaging what, like six minutes a game? In the playoffs, the shit like what 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 type of shape is Joel Embiid? And that's just I, I wonder. No, there's a reason why we both have kind of considered him, but not actually taken him with our top eight picks. Um, not you know I, I'm wary of the risks on Joel Embiid. Jokic, I worry just a little bit about the defensive fit um, and just whether or not he kind of fits with my team, which right now is basically a bunch of pterodactyls um, and just very fearsome. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why I passed on those guys. I mean, there's a few other players out there you can make strong cases for. I keep mentioning Tatum. I'm very, very tempted to take Tatum here just for, you know, to match up with, with a guy like Middleton. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going shameless. I'm taking Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson, Michael. Now, look, <laughs> these two guys are both a little bit younger. That's why you didn't even really give them looks. We have no idea what to expect from them in the playoff bracket other than a lot of interest. I envision Luca as my sixth man, my super scorer off the bench. He's going to lead my second unit. Probably not get you know that much playing time, but I do think he has the ability to really you know, basically spell LeBron, right? LeBron, LeBron will play the, the majority of the minutes as the primary ball handler, and Luca will step in when he's off the court. And then with Zion, the bottom line is I just need to have Zion on my team. I want to hang out with him uh, socially distant, um, of course, uh, at Disney World. I want to be within, you know, six to 12 feet of Zion basically at all times in life. I just can't imagine taking eight players on a team at this point and not having Zion. I do think in a best case scenario, he can kind of go... Um, you know, if you want to say pound for pound uh, with the PJ mm-hmm. Tucker, you know, I, I think he might not have the experience and the savvy. There could be foul troubles there on that internal matchup, but he gives me another center option. And then bottom line, he just makes my team so much freaking cooler than your team. It just seals the deal from a coolness standpoint. And You're so cool. <laughs> I'm loving, loving my group right now. So just to recap, my roster is LeBron, Giannis, PG, Dame Lillard, Anthony Davis, Pascal Siakam, Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson. What a squad. And I think both those guys, by the way, are good character players. You know, I think that their teammates speak well of them. There's a lot of mutual respect between LeBron and Luka. Zion's still working on getting into the clutch, you know. uh, I was going to bring this up. I was going to bring this up. Well, go for it. I mean, is that going to destroy my team right there? What? It, what? Yeah, I think, I don't know about destroy single-handedly, but if these two guys have clear issues uh, that we don't even know about behind the scenes, then I can just imagine what they'd be like on the court. Their games really aren't complimentary at all. Like, I don't even know how you satiate someone like Zion or someone like even Luca with like just no playing time like how many minutes are those guys going to be playing on this team they're going to be very unhappy look they've got to earn their dues this is their first time in the playoffs they're going to get it they're bringing the bags they're carrying the bags i know they want that look a lot of times especially a player like zion's less comfortable in a leadership role than he is in a supporting role right i think he's actually going to wind up being um you know settling in as the baby of the group sort of like anthony davis from that uh 
you know, Olympics team, what was it, back in 2012? I think that's going to be his role. And, you know, he's going to come in, excite the crowd. All the fans are going to demand that, you know, the vaccine fan base, Michael, it's just going to be like, play Zion more minutes. We're not seeing enough Zion. But, you know, ultimately, we're going to trust our vets and, um, mm-hmm. you know, be able to, you know, go head to head and take down your squad. Luca is definitely a harder sell, but I'm I'm counting on his admiration and love for LeBron for being able to pull us through. I hope it does. You've got one more pick to make to close out our our draft. Your eighth and final player, the 16th overall pick, Michael. Close off the greatest. Who are they? People have had issues. I can already like read the my Twitter mentions, even though they there's nothing there right now. <laughs> Uh, people are going to really just not understand this one at all, so I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. I am Dogus going... Bertons. I am going... <laughs> Where are we going? I am going with Joe Ingles. Wow. And well, you always he, need to have a guy who's threatened to retire. That's good. Here's, here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus. Here's the deal. Great personality. Teammates love him. Veteran. Someone who does not take days off, which is saying something in the NBA that we are in, where load management was a crisis point before an actual crisis hit the league. Joe Ingles loves basketball. He loves playing. He's in great shape. Uh, He's just on court breaking down his game as a third ball handler on a team, coming off the bench on a team that already has Harden and Jimmy and CP. He's just that much better. He's one of the also one of the more accurate spot up shooters in the league. So this team has plenty of shooting, plenty of versatility, plenty of ball handling, uh, and I just love the trash talk. I, I know I, I went over it with CP a little bit before, but this guy is going to get under your skin. We need someone like that. We need someone to invigorate teammates with his mouth at all times having him on the bench and on the sidelines chirping at the opposing team where everybody's going to be able to hear everything he says is wonderful so let me get this straight your strategy is that joe ingles is going to be able to psych out lebron and Giannis. well in the four minutes a game that zion williamson (laughs) or luka Doncic is on the floor that's more what i'm talking about but yeah, that's basically the gist. And he's also a very good basketball player. So uh, Joe Ingles, uh, again, the theme of my team is we are not going to beat ourselves. We are going to be mentally strong. This is a very difficult circumstance for everyone who's going to be there. It's going to be very strange, very weird, very unfamiliar. And for someone who was basically cut out of the league and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, thought that his NBA dream was over before it started. I mean, he just has been through a lot of things that uh, some of these other guys just can't even relate to. So, yeah, I think I've made a pretty good case for Joe Ingles. And obviously someone could just throw out an all-star caliber player and completely obliterate it. But we're building a basketball team. We're not building an all-star team. I love it. Um, so give me your starting five from your group. Um, so my starting five is going to look basically Lillard at the one, Paul George at the two, LeBron at the three, Giannis at the four, AD at the five, and I bring in Pascal, Luca, and Zion off the bench. Um, now that you mention it, yeah, we, we've got some, uh, we've got some, you know, uh, developing trust <laughs> issues, some sharing issues that are, are certainly going to be there. Uh, give me your starting five real quick. Yeah, I could go in a lot of different directions here, but I think I'm just going to go and make it as clean as possible with my top five picks. 
I have Kawhi just, you know, he's the the primary option. I think everyone will defer to him at the end of games because he's won it all and he knows what he's doing. Uh, then we have Harden and Jimmy Butler, and that's just a really nice big three offensively, defensively with two of the three. Uh, CP just kind of running the show, one of the better spot-up three-point shooters, extremely vocal. I love everything he brings to the table, particularly on the defensive end as a leader. And I'm going to have PJ Tucker at the five, and we're just going to switch everything. We're going to be in passing lanes. We're going to be very disruptive. All these people are pros, pros, very communicative. Uh, I love this team. I wish it was a real team, uh, and I wish I could see what they would do and how badly they would uh, beat the Vancouver vaccines. I love it, Michael. Uh, real quick before we go, who were some other players who were on your radar to kind of fill out your your group? Who else did you consider um, we obviously mentioned Embiid and Jokic. I mean, look, I'm giving a lot of thought to those guys. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, like, if we're only picking eight, you know, I didn't feel like they were the best fits. Um, you could even throw a guy like Gobert into that same conversation of, you mm-hmm. know, like very high-impact level players, but maybe, you know, wishes like the, I, the gelling I, of the group. Yeah, I, I kind of stuck away from, stayed away from Gobert for, uh, you know, we, I don't know why he was... Why there was such a rift between him and Donovan Mitchell, and I, again, as someone who's prioritizing chemistry here, I don't want anything bad to happen uh, on my team. So I, that's why I kind of stayed away from him, and then just for versatility reasons also, I got to pick players who can do multiple things. Uh, but really, so I only ended up taking Chris Middleton out of this long, I had a long list of guys who uh, I kind of classified as just being like introverts who are quiet leaders who will take care of themselves who won't be you know cause for disruption who are boring who let their game do the talking for them who have basically no on-court emotion and these are your paul Millsaps, your al horfords your lamarcus aldridges your tj warrens your brooke lopez's and then I even threw a Drew Holiday in there, who I strongly considered to be on this team. And these are just guys who are their veterans. They're they're up there in terms of age, but I have faith that they've taken care of their bodies because uh, they know what to do and they're pros pros. Uh, so those were kind of the guys who I, I could have gone with some of them earlier in the draft at, at one point or another. They're very talented players, uh, but I just kind of went in a diff- different direction. When it came down to it, if we were building out a 15-man roster, I probably would have had more of them. And then another subcategory that I had is just like the Energizer Bunny types, the guys who, you know, they'll hustle, their hustle will energize and galvanize teammates in ways that a crowd normally would. So I ended up going with PJ Tucker there, but that's basically like your Kyle Lowry's, who I, I strongly considered Kyle Lowry, but went with CP instead. And like someone like Marcus Smart, who I think has a lot of value in a, in a, in a situation like this. And I, I it pained me not to take Marcus Smart, but I went in another direction there as well. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, you didn't take any Celtics off the top. I mean, they had a bunch of candidates, right? Between him, <laughs> Smart, Jalen Brown. No, I mean, who's who's biased now, man? Who is biased now? You're taking Zion. You're taking Giannis. I just, I mean. I'll be honest. My team is definitely the clout chasers. We're calling ourselves the vaccines, but we're the clout chasers. There's no (laughs) doubt. We're we're trying to help the NBA dig out of their massive revenue hole with this group. 
And, uh, you know, it would be the ultimate underdog story, I think, if the Louisville greatest, like, you know, rose up together to knock off uh, this pseudo dream team that I've put together. Michael, that was a really fun exercise. I hope all the listeners enjoyed it. Um, you know, you guys, like I said, let us know. Let Michael know. He's already afraid of your responses. So make sure you you bring it to him <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he's there at Michael V as in Victor Pina. You can always email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. We will be back next week, Michael, with more breakdowns of the NBA's uh, return to play proposals, um, which at that point will have been voted on. We will also get into a long list of awesome questions we've gotten here over the last week or two. Guys, you can check me out on Instagram at ben.golver. I'm on Twitter at ben.golver. And don't forget, go over to Apple Podcasts and search for Open Floor. That's two words. When you find our page, scroll down. It will say rate and review tap five stars it's just that easy to help us spread the word hey michael until next week i will talk to you talk soon ben